Right, been looking um, over the last little while um, about hearing from the Spirit, learning from the Spirit and that sort of stuff. And I talked about the three-part man that we are. So that's the uh, spirit, soul and body. Okay, so spirit man is a real man, which is why we talked about that first. It's like, how do we get to know God? How do we get to hear his voice so that we can actually be the real us, the real person that we're meant to be? Um, and then the soul, which is our mind, our intellect and emotions. Um, so that's what we call our soul and our body, uh, which is this, what you can see right now. And it's, uh, I guess when we talk about the body, it's quite often talked about the flesh, obviously because we're made of flesh. And how does that all relate to me, though, as a complete human being um, in terms of God? Because God doesn't, when we get saved or become a Christian, he doesn't take us out of our body straight away and all of a sudden we're just spirit walking around uh, without a body to be kept in. He doesn't uh, give us a lobotomy, take out our brain, and all the things we've learnt and heard and stuff over the years, uh, at least it didn't happen with me. Um, and I just wanted to talk this morning a little bit about what the flesh is in terms of how do I please God with my body, I guess, is really what I'd like to talk about. Because the flesh is also called our sinful nature. Um, and if we think about us as a human being and how we act and react to different things, the way that we react in what we call the flesh, so when we start to talk about the war, which I'm just about to read about, between um, the flesh and the spirit, or our, our desires that are of God and those that are of our sinful nature, because we all tend to, if we're not careful, follow down that path of what feels good for me. And that's really what it's talking about. The way that we often operate is that we have um, this sinful nature in us. So it's classified as a flesh. Why? Because it's really an uncontrolled way that we live. Uncontrolled in the fact that there's no real self-discipline needed. We might have self-discipline, but really, if we don't have the Holy Spirit and we don't have God in our lives, there's nothing, really, there's no real moral code that I need to live up to, right? Not really, because I'm away from God anyway, and the sin that separates me from God is not believing in Jesus because it's God's free gift of eternal life that came to me so that I could be close to God. And us as Christians have been called to live a free life. But in that freedom, we are bound by something called love. When we actually are listening to the Spirit, that is why we talked about how um, often uh, people who are immature will need laws. They'll need rules and regulations. Why? Because they don't act out of love. But when my heart is renewed and living inside of me and understanding the Holy Spirit, I have this love nature coming out of me, I naturally do the things that please other people that please God because love can't sin. Why is that? Well, love doesn't hurt anybody, does it? Uh, I don't know about you guys, but the people you love, do you go out deliberately to try and destroy their life? Do you go out deliberately to... Um, gossip about them? Do you go out deliberately to harm them in any way or not feed them or throw them out in the cold or steal their stuff or murder them? Of course you don't. Because there's a higher law than what we call regulations and commandments or what we might call rules that, that compels us to care and love about people. 
So in other words, if I really fully understand that as a Christian, I'm no longer bound by these laws, like where I'm going, oh, now I'm a Christian, I have to do all the right things. It's not even like that at all. It's now I'm a Christian, I need to love God, and I need to love people. And guess what happens? You do all those things. And it's not a struggle because you're trying to be um, bound by that law and, and do the right thing. It's just a natural way of living. Because I love God, the love of God is shed in my heart by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, makes home with me, His Spirit joined in my spirit, and He reveals God's love to me. And now I act in this love way towards people. The love way doesn't hurt. The love way just loves and cares for people. That's why we have, you know, you think about even health and safety rules at at your work sites. Why do we have them? So you don't get hurt. I think some people say just to annoy us and to give employment for people, which is true. (laughs) But (laughs) the reason they have to bring in those laws is why? Because there's bosses that didn't love their workers and they would let them work with electrical cords exposed because it was much more important that they made some money today than fix that electrical cord, knowing that that person might get killed, but really that doesn't matter because I don't love them. It's more about my love for money, that I need that job done, you just do it. So really any law that's brought in, when you think about it, is brought in because we cannot control ourselves or we are not controlled by love. That's why you have to have laws. They are very condemning. They make us feel so bad. But our our natural desire without Christ is to actually follow what we want, which is what we call the flesh. So we're going to read from the Bible now in a book called Galatians, which is in the New Testament. We're going to look at Chapter 5 of that book, we're going to read from verse 13 to 26. And it's going to be talking about this sinful nature that we have, this desire that seems to be in us to do the wrong things. However, as Christians, we are not going to be dominated by that. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command... Love your neighbour as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desire of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us become, not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Now that went through a big list of things that will be evident in your life if you're not following after the Spirit. 
Some of them we're like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, you can't be, um, you know, act in a way that's uh, sexually impure before God and all those sorts of things because that's, you know, obvious. But then you see other things in there like quarrelling, jealousy, envy, dissension. There's things that we normally would think, you know, um, uh, just may be part of our life, but what we're doing is as we go and do those things, we are starting to try and satisfy a sinful desire in us. And we have to understand this, that without Christ, without us yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we will naturally go that way. The thing of, of the Spirit is that it's a gift to us. It's, it's a fruit that comes from knowing God. So when we look at those last ones there, the patience and all that sort of stuff, the love and joy that comes into our life, it's from us listening to the Spirit. Now, this is a problem. We're going to put the three things together today, the mind, the flesh, which we just talked about, and the Spirit. Now, we need to be really, really careful who we let dominate us. As you can see there, it talks about... Um, giving ourselves over to that sinful nature. We're meant to be, as Christians, dominating what we are calling the flesh today, which is what? The way we naturally act. The flesh acts like this. When you look at the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, what was it that they saw? They saw the fruit, that it was good, good to eat. And they looked at it and thought, if only we had that. They, they became filled with pride. If only we could be like God, though it was Satan's suggestion that also came to them and they thought, you know what, we can be in control and we can have what we want, the thing that we desire. And that is how it works. Your body, your flesh, doesn't always want to do what God wants. Because guess what? It just wants to feel good. It works like this. It either wants to do something or it doesn't want to do something. So when God's asking you to do something, when your spirit is trying to get you to, say, press in in prayer, your flesh goes, I don't really feel like that. And now we have a choice. Are we going to be dominated by the flesh or are we going to be dominated by the spirit? And what gets dominated? We've talked about three things. We've got the spirit, we've got the flesh, and we've got the soul, the mind, the intellect, the emotions. And this is where the biggest battle actually really is, which we're going to look at next week. Is that scriptural? Are you saying to me, Neil, that, that really, um, you know... The battlefield's in the mind. Isn't that just a worldly thing? No, it's not. Because we as Christians are meant to get our mind renewed to go and listen to the Word of God and believe the Word of God and live the Word of God in our life. Listen to this in Romans chapter 8. Talking about domination. We need to, as Christians, dominate our flesh. Now, we're going to be careful about that because what can happen is we go over to the extremes as we always do and... And you see the pictures, like I remember watching um, one of the movies uh, where you know, they show the priest whipping himself because he'd done the wrong thing and others will carry their cross for a thousand miles because they need to dominate their flesh. That's not what this means. That's an extreme that is ungodly and it's actually backed up in Scripture that that shouldn't be the way. Let's just listen to this. Romans 8, verse 5 to 7. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, 
What does it control? Your mind. Leads to death. But letting the Spirit controls your what? Mind. Leads to life and peace. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Who's controlling your mind at the moment? Who is it that takes place in your mind? And we're going to talk about this practically in a a short second to just start you thinking about these things because you're being put into a clear situation that either you can let your flesh, your sinful nature control your mind. What does that mean? It means the things I want, I'm going to let them control my mind in, in, in terms of the decisions that I make are going to be based on my feelings, whether I feel like it or not. When it's something I need to do, whether I, I don't feel like doing it, whether it's something that I don't feel like doing, whether I just want to do it anyway. And you can see that those things are so contrary to the Spirit because when we start to look at the fruit of the Spirit, one of those gifts or the fruits that comes from the Spirit is what? Self-control. In other words, when you actually let the Holy Spirit dominate your life, you get self-control as a byproduct of that happening, as a fruit that comes out of your life. Self-control. And there's people, many Christians, including me at times, where we don't have self-control because we haven't spent time getting to know God and we feel so dominated by sin and we feel like we don't have the choice, but it's not because... We can't. We've been set free by the Holy Spirit and through the death of Jesus Christ where sin no longer actually has the ability to control us unless we let it. But so often we will try and control things in our lives by using our flesh. In other words, I just can't do that. Rules and regulations. I'm trying so hard not to do this thing that seems to plague me, keeps at me, and I keep doing and I'm trying so hard, but guess what God's saying? You need to let the Holy Spirit dominate your life, and as a fruit of that, self-control is going to come to your life. You can't control yourself. It's impossible, because your sinful nature doesn't want to be controlled. It just wants to do whatever it wants. And this is so important as parents as well, when you're thinking about your kids. The way that the flesh works is like this. I want, give it to me now and satisfy the desire that I have immediately. Now, there's nothing wrong with feeling good. Okay, we know that even like when we look at sex, it's created for marriage. It's an awesome, wonderful thing. But that's where God created for, for a man and wife to come together and enjoy a covenant relationship with each other. And what God is asking us is that we put off in that area the desire we make a sacrifice and lay it down in that area for something better, for what God has for us. But if we want our kids to be self-controlled in those areas, think about how we treat them in other areas. Do you treat them self-controlled or is it, here we are, I need this mum, and it's usually, I remember when I was a kid, we were horrors, honestly. My mum, poor old thing. But if we were hungry after school, and like we weren't rich, (laughs) um, at all, us kids would start, Mum, I'm hungry. No, you can't have anything to eat. I just don't have any money. Mum, I'm hungry. My sister Jenny would join in. Mum, I'm hungry. 
And then we'd be going like this. We're hungry and thirsty. We're hungry and thirsty. We're hungry and thirsty. And my mum would just be driven mad and she would give us what we wanted. (laughs) Now, was that good parenting? Well, we thought it was great. (laughs) Because we got what we wanted. Now, it wasn't always like that. But this is just an example of how we can sometimes give in to those things, can't we? Even as parents. It's like, what are we teaching our kids? Are we teaching them that you've got to value things and sometimes you have to put off now, you can't have everything you want right now because that is the way your sinful nature will go, but there is a battle taking place. It can happen in every area of your life. What does it mean to be dominated by the flesh? When we look at the results of, of death that comes from following after the flesh, I'm going to put this very practically. It talks about when we let the spirit control our mind, what does it lead to? Life and peace. When we let the flesh control our mind, it leads to death. So, how does that work practically? Because we quite often think of that as a really big spiritual thing, right? You know, um, the flesh being our sinful nature and the Holy Spirit and we're fighting each other and so I'm actually fighting myself. It's not really like that. It's letting your spirit control your mind and dominate your flesh. Control your mind and dominate your flesh and live your life for him. An example, you don't like your boss. You don't like a decision they made. The flesh works like this. You know what, I don't like that decision. But rather than follow the Holy Spirit and what God says in the Bible and go to my boss and say, you know what, I really don't agree with that decision. I think you've made the wrong decision and talk about it and come to some conclusion. This is what the flesh does. I don't like that decision. I'm now justified to go and tell everybody else in my workplace that I don't agree with that boss's decision, that the boss is an idiot and that what they've done is so wrong and they're a really bad person and I'll justify myself. Now what happens as soon as you do that? You're following a fleshly desire. What happens? Next time you see your boss, you're feeling guilty for a start. Where's the peace in that? Where's the life in that? The next time you go and do your job, you're doing it grudgingly, you're you're doing it in anger. Where's the life? Where's the peace in that? You've just completely disregarded what God wants and you've gone and done something contrary to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do and you're expecting life and peace out of that. You're a fool. Now... Following after the Holy Spirit and the Spirit and letting that dominate our minds is not always easy. It's much easier for me to go and whinge and complain because I don't have to have the guts to go to my boss and confront an issue. Now, (laughs) it might not necessarily cause peace at that time and that's why I don't want to do it. It's going to be really hard and you might even get sacked. Who knows? But in it all, there's a life and there's a peace that comes to you because you have done what God has asked you to do and there's life and peace in you. There is something about the godliness of an action that brings life and peace to you. And that's pretty much in every area of your life. What about, you know, um, anger? You know, that was one of the things there about the things of, of the flesh, outbursts of anger. I feel so justified in being really angry and yelling at someone and calling them an idiot because they really deserved it. I'm following the flesh. 
because they've spoken against me and, and they deserve what they're going to get and I'm going to stir up the anger and guess what happens? Yep, you broke a relationship, you did all sorts of stuff and you've just followed after the flesh instead of the spirit. What would God say in that situation? How am I meant to treat things? When someone's angry at me, do I rise up and I get angry back at them? And, you know, I understand there are times when you need to speak up. But the Bible says in Proverbs that a quiet answer turns away wrath. The things of the Spirit, a gentle answer coming from gentleness of spirit. It's actually not that unobvious. If you think about it with your life, what are the things that you do? We're at the end of it. You're thinking, man, there's no life in this. There's no peace in this. This decision I just made has done something drastic to a relationship or a situation that has caused strife. It's caused turmoil. We often think, this is why I'm doing this in this such a little practical way. We've got to change our mind. What am I thinking? Because what happens if I let the flesh dominate me? I will start to justify here my behaviour and my actions and I'll feel quite self-justified in what I've just done. But it never leads to life and it never needs to, leads to peace. We need to let the Holy Spirit begin to control our mind so that we can dominate that flesh. Because one's going to be winning in your life right now. And at times it changes, doesn't it? Obviously it does because we're not perfect beings and, and we sometimes just follow after the flesh. But I don't know about you, but in marriage, who feels great when they've had a big fight with their spouse because you were selfish or nasty or didn't do what you meant to do or said something wrong or foolish? How many of you, after you've done that, feel so great? Man, that was just so awesome to have that fight. I feel so good and alive now. That's just been wonderful for our relationship. Nobody, right? Why? Because it's not God. It's not a godly way of living and it's not a complicated, airy-fairy thing. This is practical living. What are the decisions that you're making? And you will know the works of the flesh in your life. You will know when you're not giving in to the Spirit because the results are so obvious. It's death. It's that obvious. So if you're looking at your life and you're going, why is there so much turmoil in this area, this, that and the other, this just, whoa, what's dominating there? What's dominating in that place, that part of your life? We have to let the Holy Spirit come and this is a wonderful thing that he has come and he has given us eternal life. And listen to this in Colossians. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle this, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teaching about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. This is the first part. You cannot conquer the flesh by trying to whip yourself or put yourself in these situations. You're listening to this. This is people who go, well, if I just do harder, be better, if I let these rules dominate me, 
um, then this will help me actually dominate my evil desires. No, look, they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they don't actually conquer desires. We're looking at issues of the heart here. In Galatians it said this, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. But those who live to the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Can you see how clear it is what God's saying? That even as Christians, although we're blessed, although God is blessing us daily, He's saying just be careful with the way you live your life because you are not going to get what God wants for you. You're not going to get the richness if you do not listen to the Holy Spirit. So when the flesh, what we're trying to overcome is this, that I want to do and I don't want to do. And they can't be overcome by this, by making it more stricter, more rules, more harsh, whatever it is. And we know that's true. It doesn't seem to make any difference how harsh you make a punishment. Sin just has a strong desire. But what you've got to do is change that love and say, I love you, God, and let him work in your life to overcome these things and also have the guts to stand up for the things of the Spirit. To walk in integrity and in righteousness and to confront these things in your life and act in a godly way. All of us are guilty. All of us are guilty. And this is what the world will offer us. These are the things we have to learn not to love, the things of the world. In 1 John it says this, Do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have a love of the Father in you. The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father but of the world and the world is fading away along with everything else that people crave. But anyone who does what, he, what pleases God will live forever. Can you see the way it works? If we have an earthly view of things without an eternal perspective we get just dragged off into these things what are the things that the world will tell you and it's look it's not new today is it you look at that list a craving for physical pleasure does the world want that yet craving for everything we see does the world want what they see absolutely pride in achievements i'm so great because of all i've done Pride in possessions, I'm so rich and wealthy and I've got everything. And what can happen is if we don't be careful, our mind can get dominated by that way of thinking rather than the things of the Spirit. The Spirit will always think eternal. What is my eternal purpose? What's my eternal purpose? Because guess what the world will say? Save up for your retirement, make sure you've got lots of money and this, that and the other. And God will say, yeah, that's important, but first seek me. You know what? Look after your heavenly home. And this is something that is crazy to think of, but it says when you're giving that you're actually storing up treasure in heaven. Eternal perspective. Eternal perspective. 
Because I guess what? You can have the most beautiful retirement and, and like I said, I'm not saying you shouldn't. You absolutely should. I believe in God prospering us that way and whatever. But really, is that that important? Your retirement's only so you can die happily, really, isn't it? <laughs> but don't you want to live eternally thinking, you know what? My riches, my life here on earth was focused towards heaven, heaven's call. And this is, if you don't have that eternal perspective, you will always default to what feels good for now because you're not thinking future. You're thinking now. What's the best for me now? Well, it's best for me not to go to Bible study or meet with the church because, you know what, fishing... Um, now, I'm not saying you shouldn't go fishing. I went fishing yesterday with Justin, and I know he does sometimes on Sundays, and that's not a problem. But what I'm saying is where it becomes a lifestyle where your choice is always made on you. It's much more important that I be some amazing football star than go to church or amazing whatever it is than, than give my life to God a better businessman so it's so important that I just work 24 hours a day 7 days a week forget my family forget the things of God eternal perspective why does God give us wealth the Bible says he only gives us wealth because it's meant to be connected to his purpose it's different from worldly wealth it's about why am I doing these things why does God want your business to prosper it's not so you can have a great retirement it's not so your kids can have a good inheritance. That's part of what he loves. But he ma- makes your business prof- prosper because you've got a job to do here on earth in supporting the things of the kingdom. That's why he gives you a good job. That's why he's placed you in a rich and bountiful country so you can give to others so that there's an overflow. The, the story of the rich man in the Bible where he built barns because he had so much grain and instead of giving it away... Instead of letting the blessing of God come into his life and he'd filled his barn and go, wow, it's full now, I better start getting rid of it. He said, I need to build another barn. I need to make sure that I stop this finance going out to finance anything to do with the kingdom because it's all about me and my life of luxury and, and what I need. And so it was just the building up, building up. Oh, I better build another barn. And God said, you're an idiot. He literally did. He said, you're a fool. You're an absolute... I don't understand you. God's blessing in your life is so that it can flow. It's a river, not a dam. And that's what happens if we don't have the eternal perspective. It becomes all about what's my priorities and my needs in my life. And you know what? Even when we give to the poor, there's a beautiful promise that God gives. He says, when you give to the poor... God looks at it and he says, I'm going to repay you in full. He's going to repay you in full. That's the God we serve that just loves us so much that he sees our earthly needs but he's looking to our eternal glory and he wants us to do the same thing. Our bodies are going to die They're going to be buried and and rot away. And and Paul talks about, hey, guys, think about this. This body is only just for now. It's a temporary home. It's going to die. It's an earthly body. But when you go to heaven, when you receive that new body, it's not going to be an earthly body. It's going to be a spiritual body raised in glory. It's not going to be like this one. It might look the same. I don't really know. But it's not going to be an earthly body. 
It's going to be spiritual. But while we're here, while we're living on earth, God is asking us to give ourselves to him completely. Now we think sometimes, oh, i just give my spirit to him. No. You need to give your body, your spirit and your mind and all need to serve God in fullness. That's why God doesn't like it when people go and sleep with prostitutes because he says, you are mine. Don't you know that you are joined with Christ? And if you sleep with a prostitute, then you are joining with that. You're joining Christ with that. That's why he holds the marriage covenant so high, not because it's a rule and regulation. God knows what's good for us. And if he says, don't do something, it's not so that he can stop us doing it. He's saying, guess what? If you follow after the flesh, you get death. If you follow after the spirit, you get life and peace. I don't know why I'm down this track, but I just remember uh, listening to a podcast once and, and the guy on it, he was talking about his life. Now, he made a really severe decision when he was dating him and his wife. And they made a decision they weren't even going to kiss until they were married and, and then after that, you know, that physical intimacy would start. And of course... What does people do with that? Ah, you're not sleeping together, you're not kissing, you're not this, blah, blah, blah. Well, how will you know what it's like? How do you know if your wife kisses good or not? And he said this, how will I know if she doesn't? (laughs) I don't have a comparison here. Our decision was we get married and we are lifelong devoted partners and we are giving each other to each other. You think about that. What a beautiful gift it is that you could go on your wedding night and said, no one else has had this. No one else. No one else has had access to my body that I'm giving you now. Now, I understand, look, that I understand the world the way it is. And I believe God can restore that. Even if you've broken that in your life, God can restore it. Because it's about that, that nature, the spirit. And I remember listening to... A guy called Chris Valatoni runs some ministries and he said, you know what, he's even had ladies come up and said, God restored it physically, my virginity. He gave it back. And God does not want us to just let ourselves become slaves to this world in our bodies as well. Am I giving myself to God, even my body, to say, God, this body belongs to you? Listen to this in Romans 12, chapter, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. You hear that? I plead. It's like he's on his knees going, come on, guys, listen. Give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a, a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How does he do that? Be dominated by the Spirit and what happens? You think the way God wants you to think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But that there is his pleading. He's not saying give your spirits to God. It's not even saying give your mind to God, although that's part of it later on. He's saying, guys, don't you understand that even this flesh that you're living in should be serving God? 
So when you feel angry and justified in slamming someone and talking about them, that doesn't please God. When you're getting angry for no justified reason, that's not pleasing God. When you get jealous of someone, that's not pleasing God. When you get envious, that's not pleasing God. What he's saying is put those desires away and this is the only way that you can get rid of the flesh because you can't do anything else. You have to be brutal with it. That's why Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily. He's saying every day I've got to say, nah, you are not going to dominate my life. I'm going to listen to the Spirit. We're going to talk about renewing our mind next week. But our spirit is born again. God's Holy Spirit is joined with our spirit. We have to dominate, crucify, put to death the flesh. And we have to renew our mind. That's what the Bible says. So this week, as you go out in this world, just think about the things of God. Connect with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit dominate your mind. Change the way you think. Those who think about things of the Spirit, the Bible says, please God. Now, as a Christian, I'm pretty sure that each and every one of us would want to please God.